You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in, Sparky's Midday Madness with you on a Wednesday, already halfway through the work week. Sun is out. That's always good. I don't, I was looking at the forecast uh, earlier this morning. I don't see any rain in the forecast until like Monday. A beautiful thing. Uh, welcome in, Sparky's Midday Madness and uh, live from the Gene Wagner Plumbing Studios. For all of your plumbing needs, go to GeneWagnerPlumbing.com. We talked a lot of Packers, a little Brewers and Bucks there during the big show. I want to focus on the Bucks a little bit here. And then uh, at about 2.30, we'll get back into Pat Baldwin Jr. Uh, committing uh, to the Milwaukee Panthers uh, earlier today. We'll have Chris Monteron from College Basketball News coming up at 2.30 to get uh, his thoughts on the world of college basketball and really where college basketball is headed uh, in the future. So we'll talk to him, like I said, in about a half hour from right now. But I want to focus on the Bucks right now to, for the first half hour of the show. And I, I want a lot of calls. I want a lot of tweets. I want to hear where you're at, Bucks Nation. Bucks fandom. Where's your head at? It's a simple, simple question. Right now, today, who do you view as the biggest threat to beating the Bucks in the playoffs? Real simple question. Who do you view as the biggest threat to beating the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs? 414-799-1250, 414-799-1250. Tweet us at 1250-AM-THE-FAN, the easiest way to get to us, or you can just tweet at me as well, at Sparky Radio. All of those work. Who do you view as the biggest threat to beat the Bucs uh, in the playoffs? I- I'm going to be as honest as I've been this entire time with you, and that is it- it's the Nets. For me, I it's been the Nets. It was the Nets before the season started. Then after they got hardened, it really became the Nets. I've been saying time and time again, they're the team to beat in the East. They're the team that's probably going to be in the NBA Finals. Word comes out earlier today. Guess who returns for the Nets tonight? James Harden is back for the Brooklyn Nets tonight. So now you're going to have Harden, Kyrie, who got popped in the face or whatever yesterday, but he's fine. So you're going to have Harden, Kyrie, and Durant now get to play a couple of games before the playoffs start. Those three superstars are going to get to play a couple of games. You can come talk to me about chemistry. You can come talk to me about lack of defense. You can talk to me about all that stuff. And I'm simply going to tell you, those are three Hall of Fame basketball players. And maybe there's teams in history that had three Hall of Fame basketball players that could score like these three can. 
that weren't successful. Maybe you can point them out. Three guys that can average 25 to 30 points a night that weren't successful. Sure, you can find them. I haven't gone back and done my research to find them. If you can, go right ahead. I don't think this team is going to get this screwed up. I really don't. So for me, it's that team. Now, could there be other teams? Absolutely. Maybe it's the Miami Heat that that you think is the biggest threat because they knocked out the Bucs last year and Spolster seemingly has Budenholzer and Giannis's number at this point. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the Heat. Maybe it's the Philadelphia 76ers because maybe you don't think the Bucs have an answer for Joel Embiid inside. Maybe it's the Philadelphia 76ers because Ben Simmons and everything he can do at this point. They are the number one seed in the East. Then Brooklyn, then the Bucks, four, five, Atlanta and Miami. So as of today, the Bucks would get the New York Knicks in the first round, who have way overshot expectations for what was expected of Tom Thibodeau and the New York Knicks. That team plays physical. That team plays hard night in and night out. That team is well coached by Tom Thibodeau. Superstar power, none. None. They have a guy that was in Derrick Rose, who's had a really good year. They have a guy that nobody thought could play at this level in Julius Randle, who's having a career year uh, for the New York Knicks, so you have to be concerned about that. I still don't think that they have enough talent. But even if it's the New York Knicks in the first round, that's going to be a physical matchup because Tibbs is going to make it a physical matchup. Then you're going to get Brooklyn and then Philadelphia more than likely. That is a tough, tough run. Who do you view as the biggest threat to the Bucs in the playoffs? Talk as a Bucs basketball. Something weird. I know. We've been talking Aaron Rodgers nonstop. 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Tweet us at 1250 AM. The Fan. Mike in South Milwaukee, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM. The Fan. Hey, Sparky. Hello. I don't see Brooklyn. We just beat them twice. Without Harden. Yeah. But, you know, and I don't see Philadelphia being a problem, but I agree with you. I think the big, the worst matchup will be Miami. They are, and they had some health issues, and they're going to come back off of that. They've shown the ability to beat us in the past. They sure have. No question. And, uh, I, I, think, I think that's the team that we don't want to face. If we can get up in that, what are we, a game out of the two spot? Correct. And you hold the tiebreaker with Brooklyn. Yep. So then we would play who? Probably Atlanta. If we could get Atlanta or somebody in that first round. Well, then it then it becomes all about uh, that stupid playing tournament that's going to happen, because well, that that that's, seven, eight, nine, ten will determine who seven and eight are. Yeah, but that's ridiculous. That can you explain that thing to me? I know seven plays eight, nine plays ten. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, I, I'm gonna call it up to make sure I don't screw it up as I as I tell you how this whole. Uh, thing okay. works because I, I don't want right. to screw it up and then tell you something wrong and then be completely wrong about it. So this okay, is right. how the play-in tournament uh, is is going to work here, the way this sets up. So the play-in tournament is going to be, it's going to start on May 18th, and that's next Tuesday, and then it'll conclude next Friday, the 21st. Okay? So as it right. reads on the NBA website, the conclusion of the regular season, but before the first round of the playoffs, the team with the seventh highest winning percentage, seventh seed, in each conference will host the team with the eighth highest winning percentage in a play-in game, the 7-8 game. The winner of the 7-8 game in each conference will earn the seventh seed. So 
from that perspective, as it currently sits in the NBA uh, seedings, right now it would be Boston against Charlotte in that 7-8 game. But Charlotte and Indiana are both tied. Washington is only a game behind both of those two teams. So we still don't know what that matchup necessarily will be uh, at the end of the day. Then the team with the nine seed in each conference will host the team with the 10 seed. The loser of the 7-8 game will then host the winner of the 9-10 game in a playing game. And the winner of that game in each conference will then earn the eight seed. Oh, so they're just playing one game after... No, so the winner of the 7-8 seven, game, the game is the 7th seven. seed, and they're done, right? The right. person that loses that game then will have to take on another game and will play the winner of the 9-10 game to determine if they're in the playoffs as the 8th seed. So if you lose the 7-8 game, you get two games. The 9-10 yeah. seed also gets two games if you win the 9-10 game. The yeah. only one, the only one that gets one game is the winner of the 7-8. Who came up with that? That must have been a mathematician. Uh, yeah, it's a whole okay. bracket and the whole deal of how this whole thing works. Uh, okay, appreciate it, Sparky. Going Thanks. forward, you betcha. Take care. And again, LeBron James, you know, dumb. How stupid is this? Well, listen, you had nothing to say about this until now that it may affect you and your Lakers team. Now you think it's dumb. Well, where were you when this whole thing came up with this whole idea came up with last year? Where were you then? Now, again, as of right now, the Lakers sit one game out of the five and six spot as it currently sits. Portland and Dallas are both 40 and 29. Then the Lakers at 39 and 30. And then two and a half back of that is Golden State. So they're stuck in the playing tournament. Memphis, 14 back. uh, So they're a half game behind Golden State for the eight. And then San Antonio is right now going to be the last seed and will more than likely be the last seed as they're two and a half up on New Orleans and Sacramento right here with only a couple of games to go. So as it sits right now, Lakers-Golden State would be that 7-8 matchup. Uh, and that if the Lakers were to lose that game to Golden State, they would then have to play the winner of Memphis and San Antonio in order to get into the playoffs. That's how this whole thing works out. So Boston, Charlotte, Boston would get Charlotte. Boston wins. They're in as the seven. Then they uh, would end up getting Brooklyn, the two seed, or the Bucks, the, the two seed. Then the loser, let's say, is Charlotte, plays on the winner of Indiana, Washington, to determine if they can be the eight seed and face the Philadelphia 76ers. And can I just, I'll add something else to this, this mess here. If Washington ends up as the eight seed, how much of a chance do you have of giving them of maybe giving Philadelphia a series? I think they could. Plucker, do you think Washington could give Philly a series? Not necessarily beat them, but give them a series and win a couple of games? Maybe one or two. I I, I think Philly's a much better team, but I don't think you can discount, you know, Russell Westbrook going off for a game or Bradley Beal just having a monster game. Uh, and if either of those things happen multiple times in the series, I mean, who knows? Maybe they can surprise them. It happened a couple of years back with, uh, I think it was the Blazers and the Lakers that first that first season LeBron was in L.A., mm-hmm. maybe, um, where the Blazers just, I think they were the eighth seed, and they were just red hot. Right. And they won a couple games because of it. Well, and that, that's the thing here. I, I just think right now in the East, I don't think Philly gets that easy of a matchup. You know, in years past, oh, it's Orlando in the first round. And the Bucs go, okay, well, 
no problem. Maybe we'll lose a game, but uh, other than that, we're going to roll through this. If it's Washington, yeah, and again, I emphasize, if it's Washington, I don't think that's going to be as easy of a series as people think for the Philadelphia 76ers. If it's Indiana or Charlotte, maybe Philly goes through them a little bit uh, easier, I guess, at this point. Uh, but Washington could provide problems. Now, the Bucs right now, they get the Knicks, the three seed. If they're the two, then they would end up with Boston. But again, this could change two or three more times here before the end of the regular season is done. The question on the table is this. Who do you view as the biggest threat to the Bucs in the playoffs? 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. You can also tweet us at 1250 AM, the fan. And as we've talked about here, Uh, Not much left in the schedule. We look at what's left on the Nets schedule. They play tonight uh, against San Antonio in Brooklyn. Then Saturday, again, we have TBDs, time to be determined on Saturday and Sunday games in the NBA. They're going to be afternoon games, though. Saturday home against the Bulls, Sunday home against Cleveland. So their last three games now are all at home. They don't have to get on a plane to go anywhere uh, the uh, the rest of the way out here. So from that perspective, that's advantage, I think, Brooklyn, when you start comparing schedules between the Bucs uh, and the Brooklyn Nets. The Bucs, meanwhile, are in Indiana tomorrow night, then home against Miami Saturday. Now, thankfully, in this case, it's just a drive down 94 or whatever, or a short flight if they're going to fly, then at Chicago on Sunday to end it. But these games, to me, are tougher than what Brooklyn has to deal with. San Antonio might be a little bit of a fight for him, I guess. But at Indiana uh, could be uh, a good game tomorrow night in Indiana for the Bucks, And then home against Miami on the 15th. Man, I'm telling you what. If I'm Spolster and I'm the Heat, I'm treating that like a playoff game. Like, I'm coming in with my wall or whatever you want to set up to try and stop Giannis. If I'm them, I'm coming in and I'm trying to win. No question. Like, it's not going to be a throwaway game. And I think if you're the Bucs right now, you're in a situation where if you think that two-seed is a big deal and having 50% fan capacity is a big deal for you uh, as an organization, I think you have to play your starters. They played them last night in that game against Orlando, and they won 114-102. to 102. They didn't play, I don't think, offensively. Uh, their, their starters didn't play nearly as well as they did the previous night against San Antonio, but they played well enough. They were in control for most of the game against the Orlando Magic. No big deal. But now at Indiana, uh, coming up tomorrow night, and then Heat Bulls. Man, this is what the NBA wanted, though, right? This is why you have the NBA play in games. This is why. So you have more cities talking about your games uh, at the end of the day. Uh, the Bucks uh, just requested waivers and Keurigs and Again, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. We all knew that was coming uh, a while ago. Uh, all right, so coming back, we'll take more of your calls and tweets. The question is this. What do you view as the biggest threat to the Bucks in the playoffs? First caller, Mike, said Miami. I think it's Brooklyn. Who do you think it is? We'll continue on next. Sparky's Midday Madness here on The Fan. Welcome back. Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM. The Fan will talk with Chris Monter. College basketball news coming up in the next segment. Get his thoughts on how college basketball is changing. Folks, it's changing. You may not want to admit it to yourself, but college basketball and the landscape of college basketball and how the recruiting process and how the draft process and how all of this is playing out with the G League 
uh, and parity amongst uh, different programs and so forth. And now the latest Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, going to play for the Milwaukee Panthers. We'll get his thoughts on all of that uh, coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. Again, when we check in with Chris Monter of College Basketball News. The question on the table right now, and you could tweet us at 1250 AM, the fan or dial it up, 414-799-1250. Who do you view uh, as the Bucks' biggest threat in the playoffs as of right now, today? I say the Brooklyn Nets. Mike on the south side, when he called in the last segment, says it's the Miami Heat. G-Money uh, tweets at, or GB Money uh, four tweets at twelve fifty a.m. The fan and at Sparky Radio. The biggest threats to the Bucks are Coach Bootenholzer and Middleton. Bud won't adjust, and Middleton will disappear for long stretches like he always does. Maybe that's a topic we should do at some point on the Wendy's Big Show on Sparky's Midday Madness. Right? Who is the one person in this organization that you fear will screw this up for the Bucks in the playoffs? Maybe, maybe that's a question that we should do. Because to me, it feels like it's a close competition between Middleton and Bootenholzer, to be honest with you, when you talk to Bucks fans as far as who they don't trust when it comes to the postseason. I think Bootenholzer wins it uh, at the end of the day. If you were to ask me who I don't trust, I don't trust the Bucks bench at all. Not in the least. Yeah, can Forbes get hot for you know a game or two? Absolutely. Yes, he can. Can he be that way for a, a, an entire postseason run? I have my suspicions. No, I don't. I don't believe that to be true. PJ Tucker offensively has been non-existent to this point. But you got PJ Tucker to do what? To be able to switch and defend, and not be able to have to have Brooke Lopez on the floor all the time when the matchups don't suit don't suit you. So, from that perspective. That's okay, but when you get to the postseason and you need that corner three and that's P.J. Tucker's shot, he needs to be able to hit that shot, plain and simple. And they're going to need him to hit those big shots uh, in fourth quarters, down the stretches of games, uh, and so forth. So P.J. Tucker at this point, non-existent offensively. Uh, Forbes, streaky. Pat Connaughton, what can I say? Right, hustle, high energy guy. They're always going to leave him open for the three. Can he get hot for a game or two uh, and hit three or four threes in a game? Absolutely. The odds of him doing it consistently slim to none. Right. So not really sold on Pat Connaughton coming off the Bucks bench either. And again, outside of those guys, who else is really going to get on the floor and play all that much? Going forward for this Milwaukee Bucks basketball team, when we start talking about how deep this rotation is going to be in the in the postseason, it's probably only going to be eight or nine guys. That's it. You're not going to see Jordan Wara. Nope. Even though he's played well when given the opportunity, Bud still don't play him. So you're not going to see him. You're not going to see Merrill. You're not going to see any of these other guys that are sitting on the Bucks bench at this point. Because normally when you get in the postseason, you do shorten rotations. And this Bucks team doesn't have an exactly super deep team. They don't. And the thing I think that frustrates a lot of people, including myself, is is would one of these younger guys be a better option than what you're running out there at this point? Would uh, Jordan Wara give you uh, more offense consistently than, say, a Pat Connaughton? Maybe he would screw up defensive assignments. Maybe that's why he's not in there. Maybe they think it's too big of a stage for a rookie and we don't want to put him in that spotlight. So we'll go with the vet who we overpaid on Pat Connaughton to let him go out there and try and screw this up himself. Maybe that's what it is. 
I have no idea. But that's kind of how this looks. Thanasis is another one. You look at him. He had stretches this year where he's been really good and really effective. Again, like Connaughton, high energy, high effort guy, right? Gives you everything he's got on the floor. Can be a little bit of a spark plug for you when he's on the floor. He hasn't been all that in a bag of chips as of recently for the Bucks. How much of a factor is he going to be in the playoffs? I'm guessing not much. Unless, you know, they're down 15, 20 points, you know, in the early third quarter or something like that, and you're one last desperate heave and trying to save this game and try and get some energy in there and having somebody diving all over the place for loose balls and doing that type of stuff. Maybe Thanasis gets in that one, but outside of that, does he belong in this rotation? I'd say no. He probably doesn't belong in the rotation at the end of the day. So when you start talking amongst you and your friends about who's going to be to blame for this whole thing if this thing doesn't work and if this thing doesn't get done, to, to me, it, it, it's it's probably going to be the bench. I, I may be all by myself on this. I think Chris Milton's going to have a nice playoff run. I do. I think he's going to play well. I think he's gone through his cold streak. I think he's going to play really well in the playoffs. I think Giannis is going to do what Giannis does because I think his game is way better, way more developed than it was last year at this same time. So I think Giannis is going to play well. Drew Holiday, it's all going to depend how aggressive Drew Holiday is offensively. You know, if he's going to be aggressive offensively and get his 12 to 15 shots a game, if that's how he's going to play, I think he could be a huge factor for this Bucks team offensively. And in my opinion, I think he should be that aggressive offensively. So for me, I'm not worried about the big three. I'm worried about everybody else on this team, right? Dante DiVincenzo showed you early in the season, like, oh boy, you know, most improved player. Here we go. People were talking about Dante DiVincenzo, most improved player before the season started for the Bucs, and he looked like he was that guy, and then he disappeared. So now we get back to Dante DiVincenzo time again once we get into the postseason. Can he be a guy that gives you 12 to 15 points once you get into the postseason regularly? Can he be that other guy? Because, folks, I'm telling you, this run that they're going to have to go on is physically going to kick their butt. It just is. And they're going to be on fumes if they get to Philadelphia, the one seed, if they're able to get through the first-round matchup, whoever that is, New York, Miami, whoever. And then if you're able to get through Brooklyn somehow, some way, if you get through that, you're going to need other guys to step up and have big games. Because physically, you're going to be pretty beat up is, is how I'm looking at this. And you are going to be... Really needing others. Jesse and Tosa, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness here on The Fan. Man, thanks for taking my call. Sure. And I've listened to you. I listened to 12 for your, that, that, that program, your program for years. Thanks. So here's the deal. Uh, Bud needs to do this. Uh, I mean, and it, 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 it is kind of Bud. It, 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 more than anything. Um, I understand the Middleton thing, but, uh, but, but Bud needs to do this. When, when, when you play, when you start a game out, you know you got a guy who's the guy. You need to shock that 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 guy, and that's you need to put somebody on it who's kind of like Dennis Rodman, and that's the master. And they need to do it early, not late. He sends them in when they're 15 points down. Same thing with a lot of the other guys. You send them in when they're too many points down. No, trip up the other team every now and then, and send them in. Maybe not. You don't start. But, you know, five, two, three minutes in the first quarter and let him get them fouls, no matter what kind of foul he is, because he's, he's a bunny operator. He, he's working on a, an energy that nobody else has. 
he's not the only one. You got quite a few guys like that on that Bucks team. And if you do it, you save the other guys, and you get a change of pace. Right. His biggest problem is this coach doesn't understand change of pace because there's no way I'd have Wara not in the game every game during a good time because the kid can shoot. He sure can. And he, the kid can shoot. There's another kid, that other African kid. He can play. You need to give them important time out there on that court so that it takes the pressure off and they can take the fouls. Well, I, I don't disagree with you at all, Jesse. Thanks for the call. And this is the thing. I just don't think he, he's in a position right now, Boonholzer, to play rookies. Yeah, I'll tell you, another guy that doesn't like playing rookies is George Carl. George Carl, when he was with the Milwaukee Bucks, not a fan. Didn't want to play the rookies. Wanted to play his vets. So, Budenholzer is not the only coach that may not want to play rookies uh, in big situations. May not want to play rookies in playoff games. Stage is too big for them. They'll mess up. They'll miss an assignment. They'll give up an open basket. Fine. But if they're more talented than the other guy that's on the floor who may know the defensive assignment, that then becomes the debate. Which one would you rather have out there? And again, for me, I'm going with the most talented player. Maybe I'd be wrong, but that would be the 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 way I would lean. And these guys would figure it out. But you haven't played these guys now for weeks outside of in junk time when games are done. You haven't given them meaningful minutes, and that's that's you know part of the problem. Chris Monster, College Basketball News, joining us here coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Let's go to Kevin in Delafield. You're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, good afternoon, Sparky. So I just want to chime in on the guy that just says you can't go to Dennis Rodman style of synapsis. I think the bench is actually somewhat suited to handle um, or geared towards guarding Kevin Durant. You got four or five guys you could throw at him and change up your defensive style. Uh, Tucker, Thanasis, Portis, Giannis, Middleton, six, if you, count, if you want to count Holiday. I think throwing those different guys at him, let Thanasis use his six fouls. Let P.J. Tucker foul him five times. Bobby Porter's five fouls. Don't make it easy on KD in this playoffs. You've got some guys that are strong enough and tenacious enough that I think will give him some fit. The problem is, let's say you, you try to slow down Kevin Durant, which I don't think anybody really can do, but let's say you try to slow down Kevin Durant, you still have to worry about Kyrie and James Harden getting theirs. Absolutely, but you're not going to slow Kevin Durant down. Correct. You're going to make it hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard playoff. It's contact. It's physical. Right? It's what everyone does to Giannis. But yeah, see, that's just it, though. But well, one second, Kevin. When you think Milwaukee Bucks is here, do you think physical? No, I don't. But I mean, they can't be. I don't know. See, and that's that's my fear in this whole thing. Is I just think the physical play is going to take their toll. Its toll on this Bucks team. Well, I don't think the Nets are going to play physical. Not the Nets, no. But the the, the Knicks would, the Heat would, Philly will. Yeah, the Heat would, Philly will. The the Knicks, I don't know. I'm not totally sold on on the Knicks. It's a nice story this year. It's nice to relevant again. But it's a Thibodeau team. They're going to play hard, Kevin. They're going to play hard, sure. But I don't know that it's going to be that physical of of a contest. Well, we will find out. Kevin, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate it. Let me tell you about my guys over at Young Express. Have you ever thought about becoming your own boss? A successful transporter of expedited freight. A career driving. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah, you just drive a car. That's it. Right? Turn on the station to the fan, 1250 AM the fan. Listen to the Bar Winkler show. Listen to the Wendy's Big Show. Sparky's Midday Madness. The Rami Show. 
Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin post-game show with the franchise Tim Allen, driven by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. After Brewer games, McGivern Saturdays uh, here on The Fan. I call it McGivern Saturdays because, for the most part, it's all his shows. Cutting Edge Outdoors, 6 to 8. And then we got the Nary Home Improvement show, then the youth show, then the rotating uh Coaches shows that we do, baseball and high school football on Saturday mornings. All that fun stuff. Plus CBS Sports Radio, our guy Zach Gelb, 6 o'clock at night during the week here uh, on The Fan. He's actually coming up on the Rami show this afternoon, the 4 o'clock hour is Zach Gelb. You'll want to tune in for that. But anyway, so you drive for a career. With minimal investment in your own vehicle, Young Express will provide you all the training necessary for you to become a successful transporter of expedited freight. Plus... I'm going to be a big guy. 99% no-touch freight. The freight is loaded and offloaded for you, so all you have to do is worry about driving. They're looking for full-time independent contractors. And again, they have guys all over the country. Join the Young Express team today. You can find them at youngexpress.com. That's J-U-N-G express.com. Young Express, success drives them. Coming up next, Chris Monster, College Basketball News, here. On Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome back, Sparky's Midday Madness here on The Fan. The Rami Show comes up next at 3 o'clock. Efforting Chris Monter from College Basketball News to try and get uh, him on the show. So once uh, Dan Plucker is able to run him down, we will get Chris Monter on the show to talk about the news of Patrick Baldwin Jr. going to the Milwaukee Panthers. Yeah. The Milwaukee Panthers, not Kentucky, not Duke. He's going to the Milwaukee Panthers. And this, to me, is a big, big deal uh, at this point. And the reason why it's a big, big deal is, yes, I know his dad is the head coach. I understand all of that. But the bigger issue is, not issue, but the bigger deal in all of this is, it's a Horizon League team. Getting a top player in this country to go play for them versus going playing for Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, whatever the case may be. Michigan at this point, because Jawan Howard's recruiting everybody. Uh, so doesn't go to Michigan to play with Jawan Howard. Goes to the Milwaukee Panthers. And joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, he is Chris Monter of College Basketball News, the editor and publisher of College Basketball News, and of course, Monter Draft News as well. Follow him on Twitter at College BB News, at College BB News. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Great to be back with you. How are you doing today? Doing good. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. We had his dad on, the Panthers head coach, uh, earlier uh, today on the Wendy's Big Show. Uh, and get your thoughts on how big of a deal this really is for college basketball that you have essentially, what, a top-five recruit going to a Horizon League school. Well, obviously it's a big deal. Uh, you look at uh, the success of Milwaukee. I mean, they've had some success in the past, but they haven't been as successful lately. You're getting a top-five player, like you said, who could have gone to Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, you name the school, he could have gone there. You know, the one thing now with basketball is a lot of players are one and done. So the question is, how big of an impact will that have on the Panther program in the future? And that's the big question mark. When I heard about him committing and we had known that was kind of probably going to happen, I thought about some players when I started doing a lot of stuff about the draft. Two of them that I thought of right away were one was Larry Hughes at St. Louis, who was a St. Louis kid, decided to go there. Uh, but the year before, they were 11-18. Next year, they were 22-11, made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. He goes and is drafted very high in the NBA draft the next year. They go back down to 15-16. and 16. And I think a Tim Thomas, before Villanova, was kind right. of Villanova. He went to that program. They were 24-10, and 10, made it to the NCAA tournament, advanced to the second round. Next year, they were 12-17. and 17. Steve Lapis, in the next 
four years after you know Thomas leaves, they make it to the NCAA tournament once, and he's gone, and Jay Wright's there, and we know what Jay Wright has done with that program. So obviously I think it's a big deal, but the question is can you keep it going? The other program I kind of look at a little bit is Howard this year. Thon Maker, a player you remember very yep. well uh, from his days with the Milwaukee Bucks. He had a relative who went, decided to go to Howard, and a lot of people made that a big deal about him going to a historically black college. Uh, unfortunately, Howard was infected a little bit with COVID. They only played two games, uh, and so you wonder about the impact. So obviously it's a big deal to get a player like that. It's going to bring a lot of eyes to the Milwaukee program that maybe weren't there in the past, but the question is can you keep that going because more than likely you know that he's going to be a one-and-done type player. I think part of this is, we talked to Coach Baldwin about this, is you know you go play at Kentucky or Duke, and for the most part you're playing with other four- and five-star recruits, right? You're playing with guys uh, that are highly sought after, that everybody wanted. So there's not necessarily going to be a ton of double teaming and all this other stuff. With the Panthers, yes, he has a talented team around him, but probably not looked upon the same way as Duke or Kentucky. So the way defenses play against him will probably be much different than they would have if he had been somewhere else, which will make his deal a little bit more difficult going to play for his dad. You're right. I always feel like that scouts are going to find you no matter where you go. I mean, Terry Porter went to Wisconsin, Stevens Point. A uh, player from my area, Minnesota, Devin George, was a, a, a Division three player at Augsburg, a small school here in the, in the Twin Cities. So they're going to find you. I always feel like, you know, you could go to – I went to Mankato State. I still call it Mankato State, even though it's Minnesota State Mankato. I feel like you could go anywhere. They're going to find you. Obviously, if you go to Kentucky, you know, their argument is, hey, you're going to practice against other four- and five-star players who are also thinking about the NBA draft. But even you look at Kentucky, two of the last – eight or so years, they didn't even make the NCAA tournament field despite having, you know, multiple first-round picks. Obviously, when you add a player like Patrick Baldwin, especially in a year with COVID and all these uh, players in the transfer portal, and obviously Milwaukee's already landed a player from UTEP, one from San Francisco, Vid Baker Jr., obviously a player a lot of fans in your area are going to recognize that name, of course, from Boston College. So maybe you get another transfer who thinks, hey, I'm going to have a great big man as a guard. Maybe if you're a really good shooter, you might realize that Patrick might get double teamed sometimes. So if you're a really good shooter, you can spot up, you're going to hit some open shots and maybe get some more looks than maybe if you're a different program. So maybe it helps them add another transfer uh, to the mix. But you're right. He's obviously going to be the focal point of most defenses in the horizon league to slow him down. But obviously we've seen what type of player he is. He you know, only was able to play one full game at 43 points against the skate champion eventual state champion, Wauwatosa East. So, uh, you know, obviously he's an outstanding player. Uh, but you're right, there's going to be a little bit more focal point with him being at the Panthers as opposed to being in a Duke, Kentucky, et cetera. Time with Chris Monter, College Basketball News, the editor and publisher of College Basketball News, and, of course, Monter Draft News. has been around a long time. Follow him on Twitter at College BB News. We talk about college basketball in general. For me, I, I'm a little bit concerned about where this is headed here because – you have the NBA actively recruiting to get the top players to go play for them in the G League in their developmental program, and they're paying them uh, you know, six-figure money. Then we talk about another league that's apparently get, trying to get started up, which, which they're going to pay players as well for 16 to like 18-year-olds too. And on top of everything else, you still have this situation where it's the one-and-done rule with college basketball. Now, at this point, I don't think that rule makes any difference. Because if we're going to start paying kids six figures 
that are, you know, coming out of high school, more than likely a lot of these kids are going to go that way, especially if come draft time in June, these kids that went that way this last fall end up still getting taken high in the draft over these kids that played a college season. I think that's going to be a huge difference going forward and could really affect, you know, some of these college programs from getting the best players in high school. Yeah, definitely. I, w- I was always very critical when they changed the rule. I always thought if you're good enough to come out of high school, you should be able to do that. I feel like you look at players like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, Dwight Howard, Kevin Garnett, who kind of started the trend again after no one turning pro for over 20 years, Jermaine O'Neal, even some of the players who weren't maybe super successful. You look at, you know, Sebastian Telfair. He played in the league for, you know, 10, 12 years. You had other players that played in the league for a long time. I always felt that they should be able to make that jump. If I were in charge, I would have maybe said, hey, if you go to college, you need to be there at least two years. I feel that would help the college game and help the pro game because so many kids, if you're a top five, top ten kid, it's almost ingrained in your head that you're going to turn pro. So even if you don't have a great year, and we saw that, this year with a player you know that you're familiar with Jalen Johnson didn't have a great year at Duke and got hurt uh, but you know I think he was always th- yeah and, and he was always thought he's going to be a one and done so he was ready to make that move no matter what and I think unfortunately that maybe has hurt some kids who haven't gone as high you bring up the G League you have two players Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga who probably will go in the top five top eight you know and are going to be very good players the thing I will look at with them is no one knows who they are unless you're just a diehard basketball fan right. like you and I are. But I look at you know a player like Jalen Suggs. He's a Minnesota kid. I've known him for a long time, written about him a lot. You know, because of the NCAA tournament and hitting that great shot, you know, in the NCAA tournament, people know who he is. Everybody knows who Jalen Suggs is, even if you're just a casual fan who just follows it to fill out your bracket. You know, in terms of marketing and advertising, things like that, I would think he's going to be much more marketable than a player like like Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga. I look at Zion Williamson. You know, he made Duke actually a likable team. People actually liked Duke the year they was there. Most people I know, to be honest, hate Duke because they're so good every year. Absolutely. Or you're a Duke fan because you are from that area. But he made Duke popular, and you look at all the national ads he does. Even that one year of college, I think, made a big difference for him. So, to be honest, if I were a kid, I mean, it's hard not to, you know, I'm never going to tell a kid to turn down money. But I feel like that one year, even at college, is going to help you a lot in terms of marketing and things like that. You're getting to get your name out where, to be honest, in the G League, you're kind of somewhat hidden. Uh, but you're right. It's definitely going to be a concern to colleges. And I think you're even hearing now more college teams are going to look at that transfer portal even harder than, than they have in the past. I was at a D, a D1 Minnesota, which is one of the top uh, pr- programs in the state of Minnesota, AU-wise, and even they admit that their recruitment probably isn't as big as they kind of thought it might be because so many – Colleges are really focusing on that transfer portal, players who are maybe more ready to step in than you know, uh, a sophomore or junior in high school. But does that transfer portal help or hurt these, hurt these mid-divisions, these, these mid-major conferences uh, yeah, like the Horizon League? You're right. Oh, yeah, you're right. I definitely feel bad for those coaches because if you get a good player, the odds are, He's especially gone. in a year like this where it doesn't count against you, you're going to leave. Yep. Minnesota, to be honest, had a head coaching change. Pretty much every player from the team is left except for one, but they've gotten a lot of Division One transfers. One's from William Mary, one's from George Washington, Lafayette, uh, New Hampshire. You know those players are going to bigger a bigger program, obviously. So if you're a New Hampshire Lafayette coach, you just saw your best player leave, and 
you're probably not going to be able to replace them. And there are some players, obviously, are going to go to a lower level. Maybe they sign with a, a Big Ten school or ACC school and, you know, realize, hey, maybe I'm not really quite at that level. I want to go a little bit lower. But they're not going to be able to replace those players. So you're right. I definitely feel bad for those lower programs. There's a really strong program in the era Northern State Division II player uh, uh, team that have one of the best teams in the country, only have one loss until the playoffs. One of their best players is going to Minnesota. Another player is going to Northern Arizona. One's going to North Dakota State. Another one is still looking at D1. So you have four kids, the four best players of a D2 program, are all going to go Division One. How do you replace those players if you're a Division II school? I just college basketball is all screwed up if you ask me. Chris Monter, follow him on Twitter at College BB News, and of course Monter Draft News just does an outstanding job. Known Chris for years. Uh, and worth a follow. I promise you, you'll enjoy him. Chris, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Great talking to you, and I hope you have a great day. You as well. Take care. There is Chris Montra on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline of applying for home renovation loan. As you're feeling anxious, just breathe. I like Great Midwest Bank. Help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. Rami Makloff uh, is in the house. We will talk to him coming up next. Find out what's coming up next on the Rami Show at 3 o'clock. Sometimes Rami's like having another kid. It really, it really, really is. He's like, it's like having another child. See Sparky Fiverr here. Sparky's Midday Madness. The adult is about to get off the air. The child is coming up next from 3 to 6. Uh, Rami Makloff and the Rami di- Show. I won't, I won't dispute that. I won't even argue that. No. I'm a, I'm a man-child. We love you, though, Thank regardless you. of what the case I literally, in the break, told him something. No, 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 no. Within 10 seconds, he talked it out and said, yeah, eh, probably. Might, yeah. might probably happen. Yeah. It's just it's, it's be, like dealing with another child. It's going to be a fun weekend. All right, Rami Makhlouf. Uh, it should be a fun show coming up here. It is. Next. So, this morning, I'm on the Twitters, Sparky. Oh, by speaking of Twitters, I'm going mm-hmm. to interrupt you. Yeah, I saw your ahead. little mock draftery thingy Draft that you do. Mockery, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Saw it. Voted. Uh-huh. Disappointed and with what? the results that I saw. Who did you vote for? I voted yesterday. We, voted ho- we, we drafted hobbies yesterday. Hobbies, right. Mockery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did, yours was baking? Baking. Yeah, I, I saw what it said. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was stupid. Still think it's stupid. <laughs> um, but I, I, I voted for Tim. Because that made the most sense, collecting baseball cards, stuff like that, whatever. Hobbies. And then I saw the results and saw that Heffelfinger, Evan, was the one crushing. I thought thought he he had the best draft class. I did. He had one thing. No. He He had had one thing that got him all those votes. He had cooking. Whoever said video games won. Cooking, video games. Video games was what won. I mean, probably. You could have said video games. Tim could have said video games. Whoever said video games was going to win. When he said hobbies, I totally blanked. Yes. Video games. I don't have any hobbies, man. I watch TV. I know. If I'm not working or out doing stand up or baking. Or or baking. Right. Although I should have thought of cooking. I, I skipped over. I cook. I cook a lot. That's probably like my my main hobby. I just don't even look at it as a hobby. Like I need to eat, so I cook, and I want it to taste good. Right. So I put time and effort yeah. into it. Like I don't. No, think no. Of, I don't think of it as a hobby. I you just, have to eat to survive. Right, exactly. And I want it to be good. Right. And time and effort goes into things you want to be good. That's just how life is. So, anyways, voted mm-hmm. for Tim, uh, and he clearly is getting crushed. So that was a wasted vote. Either way. Uh, so that very good about Twitter. So what about Twitter? So I'm on the Twitters this morning, and I'm seeing a lot of Brewers fans. I think they're interacting with the Bart Winkler morning show. They want small ball, Sparky. They want they want Craig Council to bunt in the 10th and 11th inning. And I didn't even on know I didn't even know till I talked to Evan today because I didn't catch the Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin baseball postgame show driven by Great Lakes Dragway. Um, I, I didn't know that Tim spent an hour last night ranting 
for more small ball. And I, I guess I have to brought it up today. I guess I have to explain to Brewers fans why you you don't want more small ball. Nobody that's, cares that's about your advanced analytics. It's not the answer or the. It's Nobody not that advanced. Cares. It's not that advanced. Nobody cares. No, 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 no. I can do it with just batting averages for all you old school baseball guys who don't want the advanced analytics. I can do it with just batting averages and strikeouts. Let, all right, let, we can just do it that way. Just, just hold on a second. Okay, just hold on. All right. So you suck at scoring runs, mm-hmm. right? Right. It, it's not just the Brewers, as Gary Ellerson pointed out. The big show. Baseball. It's baseball. It's all of baseball. Yes. Fine, right. So wouldn't you think if you have a problem scoring runs mm-hmm. that you would start playing these games like they're playoff games at this point and having the same strategy? Because all you advance you play small ball uh, in the playoffs either. You most certainly see it far more in the playoffs now than you do in the regular season. People keep saying that. Not but even well, at least for crack per- council and the brewers. A higher percentage of the runs scored in postseason baseball. It's it's at the the percentage of of runs accounted. He's trying to figure this out. Go ahead. The percentage of runs accounted for by home runs in postseason baseball goes up. I don't care about that. Than the from I, the, the regular that's season. That's dandy. I'm talking so. about moving runners over and having taking one hit to score one run. In at this point, if you're the Milwaukee Brewers or any mm-hmm. other team that's garbage mm-hmm. offensively, your logic is backwards. I'm sorry. At this, especially when you don't All have your logic is you, backwards. You have no premier hitters on this team. I know. That's so the point. You have no choice. You're you have my to. Case. No, I'm not. Because you if are. I get a base hit and that runner steals second, a ground ball or a bunt moves him to third, a sacrifice fly scores him. It took me one hit to score one run. Doing it your way, I have to find another hitter who can actually make contact and get another base hit or two in order to score that run. That, that, that's how that has to happen, doing it your way. I can score with one hit, or I can score with two or no, three with hits. runner on second base, you can score with one hit. If the hit is deep enough to get that runner in. That's why it's called and scoring position. I've seen enough times this year where the runner can't get home from second base or gets thrown out of the plate by 10 feet. Seen that too for the Brewers this year. We've seen all of this. So for me, the makeup of the Brewers I know what you're saying. The makeup of the Brewers lineup it's is awful. And and the worst thing that you can do about it is small ball. It's That's so the much worst better thing with that you can do about it's it. It's so much better with Christian Yelich, but it providing Yelich is Yelich. Again, not Yelich of last year. And I told Evan to let Tim know that I'll be <laughs> that I'll be ranting about this at the top of the show. And if he wants to disagree with me, he can call in. I don't know yeah. if he's gonna take me up on that offer or not. So you may hear from Tim Allen again. Well, he's napping for at least another five minutes. So today is apparently the greatest day of Evan Heffelwaffle's life. Did you did you know about this? It's the greatest day of his life. He's, he's a said. father. No, oh. it's this Patrick Baldwin Jr. dude going oh, to UWM. Oh. <laughs> Evan literally came out of the small producer booth when I said he's a father and just shook his head in disappointment and walked back into the producer booth. Not happy. With so we're going to talk about that, which you know I don't know. College basketball is apparently a big deal around Top these five parts. prospect in the country, to, right? Yes, cool. Number four. It'll be a fun two, year. Uh, mid-major. Yeah, that's that's a huge deal. That'll be a fun year. That's not Duke. It's not Kentucky. It's not North Carolina. I know how you feel about college sports, mm-hmm. but this is something completely different. Now, Paul Wynn Sr. is not the coach. It's not happening. But because he is, it did happen, and it should be a great day. Yeah. Our guy, Zach Gelb, is going to join us at 4 o'clock, and then uh, we're going to contemplate a future without Aaron Rodgers and see how confident Packers fans are in said future. Zach Gelb has the largest calves on a human being I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it does. It's the largest calves on a human being I've ever seen in my Where life. Where did you see his calves? So one he's night a I, radio host, and I'm assuming you've never met him in person. No, not yet. He's what? he's a tall dude. Too. That's what. I, yeah, I know he's a big yeah, dude. He tower over me. Where where did you get a where did you get a gander at at Zach Gelb's calves from Zach Gelb? So 
Zach Gelb was on the radio one night on CBS Sports Radio, Wait, and I was listening. I was listening in the car. <laughs> Those are a joke compared to him. I don't know about that. I'm positive. That's the most impressive feature on me is my calves. Not saying much. No, way. not at all. Not. It's okay though. So. He was talking about he's the king of the elliptical, Zach Gelb. I can I'll do this anybody on the elliptical. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, hey, uh, I DM'd him on Twitter. I said, hey, uh, so when you do this elliptical that you're the king of, do you go forwards and backwards? Because most people don't go backwards. And he goes, backwards? No. I said, next time you do this, you go over and Going you try. It's hard, man. You it's That's hard. how I trained for that marathon that I got hurt and never ran. You laughed at me for, but that <laughs> that is that's the correct way to do it, right? So you go, you know, say you go ten minutes forward, then you go ten minutes back, ten minutes forward, ten minutes back. Like you got to do equal time backwards. Equal time no. forward and backwards. That's no. how you work the whole leg. No, that's man. the whole point of it. Yeah. So Gelb then, you know, started laughing at me, and said, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll try next time." And then sends me a picture of these gigantic things and i was like oh impressive tell me if you can do it backwards so he tried it backwards too difficult he was all done he's he just going this giant just, calves just, couldn't handle just, it just doing the forward because it works all parts of your leg when you're using the elliptical going forward you're not working your whole leg you have to go forwards and backwards to work the whole leg that's what i tell people and oh no no okay well i'm bye. surprised people don't look at you and matter. and think i should take fitness advice from this guy he doesn't even know what I look like, yo. As far as I know, I mean, unless he saw something on social media, a picture of me or whatever. But yeah, train for a marathon. He learned something. Karina Stuckey did a great job training. I think I'm just done with the uh, cardio. I'm I'm out on the cardio game. You're just done. No more cardio for this guy. So fat Rami's coming back. No, I haven't done cardio in a while. Am I fat? I'm downright impressive looking these days. So what have you changed that you don't have to do cardio? I mean, I walk my dog. I walk my dog like three and a half, four miles a day. And then I three and a half or four miles. You walk the dog. Yeah, that is a walk. I do like two miles in the morning, and then like a mile, mile and a half after I get home from work. Oh, yeah. not all at once. No, not all uh, at once. No, you must just walk to Oak Creek. But it's better that, that way, far. actually. It's better. Like it's 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 not good. Welcome to the fitness hour on twelve fifty a.m. The fan. We're not, here for you. It's Robbie not good and Sparky. It's not That's good to get all your to. exercise and physical activity at once, and then just sit the rest of the day. It's better to get ex- exercise and activity, rest, get exercise and activity. And then rest. Instead you want of, me to exercise twice in one day? Well, I mean, it's just a oh, walk. No, it's just a walk. No. It's just an evening Man, walk. If I go to the gym for a half hour to an hour, I'm happy. No, I work now out. Now you want me to go to the gym in the morning and at night? I work out plus the walk. I work out or do yoga for like an hour, hour and 15 minutes in the morning. And then I do a walk in the evening. How do you not have a girl? Well, what is the deal? I'm a beast, man. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, wow. Uh, all right, coming up next, it is the Rami Show. Rami Makhlouf featuring Zach Gelb coming up at 4 o'clock and possibly an angry Tim Allen calling it at the start of the show. Stop with the small ball, people. It's 2021. Yep, that nerdum coming up next. That's not even a word. It is now, though. Nerdum next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.